Parenthood is a time of so much change for you and your baby. A little reliable information can go a long way towards making this new life a good life. I'm Jessica Rolfe, and this is My New Life, a Love Every Podcast. While the science aligns on what's healthy for a baby's brain development, when it comes to how to care for our babies, there's a seemingly endless supply of competing perspectives. Parents are swimming in advice on sleep, feeding, and parenting philosophies. In this season of the podcast, we aim to provide a variety of curated perspectives so you can make informed choices for your family. Child nutrition is a topic I am passionate about. As co-founder of Happy Family, I spent a lot of time learning what foods promote healthy growth at every stage. And while today my focus is more on early cognitive development, the two areas are linked. What goes into our babies' bodies can make an impact on how their brains grow. But it's not to say that achieving those optimal inputs is easy. Like many moms, I know the picky eater routine all too well. I have so many questions about how to best handle it. Like dessert with dinner? Eat all your veggies first? That's where specialist pediatric dietitian Dr. Bahi Vanderboer comes in. Hello, Bahi. Hello, Jessica. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Well, I'm so excited to discover this really important topic for very selfish reasons so I can get some <laughs> tips. So I've heard that you have to introduce a child to a food 10 times before they might be open to trying it. Is this true? And how do we do this with our toddlers? Yes, definitely. And I literally say to parents, offer it every single day for 10 days. Because obviously, if you decide to only do it once a week, then it could take up to 10 weeks before they'll try that food. So, I mean, you don't have to offer that food in the same way. Let's say it's a carrot. You could still fry the carrots one day. You could steam it the other day. You could put it in a stir fry one day. You could roast it. You could pop it in a smoothie. So you can present it in lots of different ways as well, just to make it a bit more interesting and exciting. And maybe one way, one cooking method might be more appealing than others. You might, it might help you discover that, oh, actually my, my child really likes carrots with herbs or with this particular spice or whatever. So it could be quite a nice, fun adventure. But if you are focusing on helping your child become familiar and get them to start trying something new, then do offer it literally every single day for 10 days. So for creating an eater who loves a lot of different kinds of foods, where do you come down on the various approaches to feeding? For example, do you support spoon feeding and then moving to bigger textures or starting with baby led weaning or like the finger foods first method? So baby-led weaning is great because it is more a baby-led approach, obviously. One of the things to look out for with baby-led weaning is sometimes you can get so caught up with it that you think you can't let your baby have the wet textures, that you can't feed them puree from a spoon or something like that. Um, and that can backfire because then your child only learns to eat foods that they can hold with their hands and they can start to feel 
like wet textures are unfamiliar to them and that can sort of trigger picky eating further down the line when they're toddlers. So with baby let weaning, the principles are that really the baby is joining family meals from when they start weaning. And so it should be ideally a mix of textures, both wet and dry textures. So you it's perfectly okay to help them, you know, let guide the spoon to their mouth. And, you know, sometimes at that age, they will be very independent and they don't want you to hold the spoon for them. They want to do it all themselves. So they might end up using their hands or their fingers to eat. And that's absolutely fine because that mess is amazing. Like it's amazing for them to feel really good about a good, you know, wide variety of textures. So absolutely fine for baby let weaning because it means that baby is going to join in on the family meals. Obviously for infants, there should be no added salt or sugar or honey for family meals. So those modifications need to be made. But apart from that, baby let weaning is fantastic, but don't feel that you can't offer foods that are the wet textures like yogurt or anything with a sauce, because actually that's all part of normal meals that we want to see them eating. So it's important to let them experience a nice variety of textures. You offer a course on how to end mealtime battles. What are some common reasons why toddlers become picky eaters? Ooh, there's a variety of reasons, and it really depends on when the baby presents with picky eating. But if it's around that 18 to 20 months mark, that's actually a perfectly normal time or normal phase where babies may start to reject foods that are actually really familiar to them or even reject the possibility of new foods. And that's all down to just evolutionary times where prehistorically babies may pick up some poisonous berries. And so it's this innate behavior where they just automatically suddenly start to become really worried or worry about, you know, potentially unfamiliar foods, but it's a perfectly, perfectly normal phase and they will outgrow it. The only time where sometimes a small proportion of these babies may go on to, say, struggle with mild picky eating in toddlerhood is if they don't have enough variety, so enough exposure to a variety of textures, or if they have any undiagnosed reflux or prolonged vomiting, perhaps they've picked up a tummy bug or infection. And so then they may start to associate feeding as being painful. And so in that scenario, they may start to pick up some picky eating. And usually picky eating heightens around the age of three years. And that's when healthcare professionals may, you know, see families in their clinic where families are really worried about their child's variety. So they're not necessarily worried about the quantity of food that children eat, but they're concerned about the diet quality. So, you know, are there any potential vitamin and mineral deficiencies, for example? And so what I'm hearing is that typically babies start to become picky around 18 to 20 months and that this is innate and natural, that they can be picky before based on, you know, any number of factors, but that sometimes environment, you know, if your child isn't exposed to enough texture that they can actually become picky earlier and then it 
and then it peaks around three. And so we should just be expecting this. This is normal and this is happening. We know that kids that age are unreliable eaters. So if they eat well some days, but, um, you know, there's only, you know, a few meal times that, you know, generally it's after school or nursery where they're a bit overtired, so they might not eat so well then. But usually all other meals, you know, nursery is reporting they're eating really well or you have no concerns about other meals. And I really wouldn't worry so much. I would just continue to offer family meals, continue to offer a range of foods. But if you're starting to notice that meals are becoming stressful or baby is starting to be really showing signs of distress, particularly when it's approaching meal times or when you're seating baby or toddler at the table, if they're starting to sort of move their face away or start to show signs that they're really not happy to be at the table and you're spending quite long periods of time trying to feed them if you've gone into this habit of feeding your child or baby rather than letting them self-feed because you don't think they will eat what they need, then those are sort of starting to be what I call red flags, where potentially meals are no longer an enjoyable experience and the picky eating is starting to become problematic. So if they're happy to touch foods and, you know, most foods, but they just show preferences for a few different foods of particular texture. I really wouldn't worry about it. But if it's consistent and it's consistently meal after meal after meal, you can start to see patterns and meal times are becoming very stressful, then that's a good time to start seeking help. That's so helpful as a distinction. Thank you for that. Okay. So what about disguising veggies, like hiding foods like cauliflower or broccoli in other foods? Yeah, great question. And it is a tough one to answer. Generally, I would say, please try not to do that because then if your child is sort of getting towards that more moderate to severe end of the spectrum, it can actually backfire, especially if they have sensory issues and they, you know, they can, they dive into that meal because it's foods that they're familiar with and it's on their safe list. But then actually that sauce has disguised veggies in it and then they start to pick it out. And suddenly they look at you and their their face is, you know, that look of disappointment because there's something in there that they really don't like. And you suddenly start to lose a food that you know they usually will eat. And it can start to make them feel anxious about trying new foods. Now, if your child is really young and they're more on the, you know, very mild end of this picky eating spectrum, it's not the end of the world if you know, in the sauce, you grated a bit of courgette or carrot or something like that, or you chopped up the veg into really, really small pieces. Most kids will eat that if they're just on the, you know, more mild end of the picky eating spectrum. But if they are sitting on the other end of the spectrum, then I would encourage you not to do that. It's really important to let your child know. So, you know, if you are working really hard to get them to start eating, I don't know, let's say carrots, then I would let your child know, okay, so tonight on the menu, we uh, have, 
you know, chicken and pasta. And we're also going to have carrots in the tomato sauce like they've talked about. So there's no surprises when little one comes to the table. They already know that there's going to be carrots and they can make a decision about whether they want to try it or not. So it's all, you know, being discussed beforehand. And so do you believe in that trying, like saying, okay, just, just a little taste, like a, mm-hmm. a no thank you helping a, just, you've got to try everything. Just one little taste. Is that, is that recommended? Yes, it has to be. You've got to time it right. So we call that tiny taste or snake bites or snake taste. You can, you know, you can call it whatever you like. So you could say to them, okay, I'm going to, today we're going to try that carrot like we've been talking about. I'm going to take a little bite first and I'm going to describe what it tastes like. And then you'll take a little bite and you'll say, oh, that was really delicious. It did taste a bit soft in my mouth and it tasted a little bit like a food that you know your child likes. But it is important to be very positive, still not, you know, no pressure for them to try. But you could say your turn now, you know, would you like to give it a go? So you're still asking for permission, but you're still keeping it very, very positive when you're asking them to try food. So it sounds like pressure and creating pressure around mealtime is a no-no. What else? What are the other things that really can kind of exacerbate any issues? Trying not to rely on separate meals. We've sort of made meals for children very kiddie. And it sort of, I think, undermines the abilities of children. And really, you know, from the age of 12 months, Children can join in on the family meals. We don't need to make separate foods for our children because that's only sort of reinforcing that your child's belief to say, yes, you don't like peas, so I'm not going to give you the peas. Here's your pasta and plain chicken or whatever it is. So where you can try to eat as much as you can with children. I mean, I totally understand we lead, you know, really, really busy lives and we, you know, sometimes our timetables don't match and young children eat much earlier than than grown-up people do. But if your child is on that moderate to severe end of the picky eating spectrum, then it might be that you need to think of this as a project and make a few changes just so that you can help them along because they do learn by watching the people are the most important people in their lives, which is often their parents. So try to eat as much as you can with children and try not to serve separate meals is my advice. Those are great tips. What about children who only want the sweets? So let's say on the menu is chicken and pasta sauce with some carrots included, some ice cream for dessert. And what about, do you serve all of that together? Do you serve the dessert after, if the child doesn't only eats like a few bites of chicken, are you still giving them a bowl of ice cream? How does this work with sweets? So again, it just goes back to if it's a family meal and there's usually uh, something sweet afterwards that, you know, if it's a Friday night and it's a pizza night and there's always ice cream afterwards, that's fine. Yeah, absolutely. There shouldn't be any pressure and If your child has felt they didn't feel so hungry at that meal, they just had a few mouthfuls of the pizza, um, but they still fancy the ice cream, that's absolutely fine. I wouldn't say anything. I would just 
move along because when they're really young, their appetites will vary. And yes, they will make room for the foods they prefer for sure. But their appetites change from day to day. And so it's okay if they eat a little bit less one day and then make up for it by eating more on the other days of the week. So it's important to, rather than focusing on the intake on one day, think about what they eat over, you know, over a period of time. So can snacking have a negative impact on a child's health? Oh, now if you ask my French husband, he says, no, snacking is terrible. We shouldn't be snacking. But that's not really true. I mean, little kids have small bellies. Snacking is absolutely fine, but it should be treated like a mini meal. So still keep it nutritious. It could be, you know, there's nothing wrong with fruit. I would say that because packaged snacks are so trendy, try and pick keep those snacks at least that are low in sugar and salt for kids. So make sure you are reading labels and always make sure that there is something that has um, a good quality carbohydrate food, some protein and ideally some vitamins and minerals. And there will naturally be fats as well. So something like sliced fruit with peanut butter or rice cakes, um, th- this might be the opportunity to give some calcium-rich foods like yogurt or a bit of milk. There's nothing wrong with toast with a nut butter or something like that. So yeah, it can be really, really simple. Snacking doesn't need to be complicated. It's only if your child is relying on, you know, they're just constantly snacking right until meal times, and then they don't have any appetite for meals. Then yes, that is then starting to become a problem. And is it okay if your kid eats like a bird one day, but then so much another day? Like, how do we think about this variation in appetite? Perfectly normal. And the only clue that you're going to get is by looking at their growth chart. So if their growth is being plotted, their height and weight is being plotted, even say every six months or so, you'll be able to see that pattern. And if it's following their curve, then perfectly normal. There's nothing to be worried about. And you've helped a lot of children learn to like new foods in your clinic and through your blog and your courses. Can you give me some tips on how to transform a picky eater into a a more expansive eater? My number one would be eat with your child. It's really, really important and often overlooked. Have some set meal times and a feeding schedule that is regular so you're almost mimicking a nursery or ho- or school setting, even if your child is, you know, at home with you. And find ways that you can expose them to food and do it in a way that feels natural and positive. And, you know, do activities that you enjoy as well so that you're more likely to do it. So, for example, if you love cooking, then invite your children into the kitchen with you. There's always something that they can do. And often when children spend time in the kitchen, it's not because they like cooking too. They just like spending time with you. So they'll do whatever you ask them to do. But if you're more of an arts and crafts kind of person, then do some painting, do some you know arts and craftsy projects with your child. But it could be around food. And that's a really nice, positive way of bringing in elements of food and teaching them about food in a way that's meaningful to them, but also very, very positive. 
Thank you so much, Bahi, for being with us today. My pleasure. You can learn more about Dr. Bahi at ukkidsnutrition.com, including the download Five Ways to Help Your Child Try New Foods. You've been listening to My New Life. If you think this episode might be helpful to a fellow parent, please share. And if you'd like to learn more about the topics discussed in today's show, head over to loveevery.com. That's L-O-V-E-V-E-R-Y.com. I'm Jessica Rolfe. Thanks for listening. Thank you.